Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Intelligent Advisor, the audio podcast for a new generation of financial professionals, brought to you by Advisor 2.0. These podcasts are produced and sponsored by Regis Media, a niche provider of content and social media marketing for financial advice and planning firms. I'm Robin Powell. Our guest on this episode is George Kinder. Internationally recognised as the father of the life planning movement, it's fair to say that George has helped to revolutionise the financial advice profession. He founded the Kinder Institute of Life Planning in 2003 after 30 years as a practising financial planner. He's trained more than 3,000 professionals in 30 countries in the field of financial life planning. Now, to be honest, the topic on this episode is a little bit off-piste. I've been speaking to George about Reflections on Spectacle Pond, which is a collection of his poetry, photographs and thoughts on life, nature, mindfulness and spirituality. I'm not going to say any more than that because I'd like George to explain it in his own words. So, without any further ado, here's my interview with George Kinder. So, George, tell me about Reflections on on Spectacle Pond. What's all this about? It sounds fascinating. It's interesting. It, it, uh, it from the standpoint of of uh, financial life planning, um, this work that I've been doing, I've actually been doing over thirty years, Robin, and and it is uh, what is known in in uh, in the life planning community. It's known. This is my uh, life plan. That's been my life plan for all those years. So uh, what happens in life planning is that we uh, try to identify with uh, for ourselves and then for our clients, um, what is the life, you know, that I most want to live. Uh, and um, and I, I knew early on that I mostly wanted, I wanted to live in nature. I called it living in the weather. I wanted to do something that I called illuminated manuscripts. And I wanted to live a deep life, uh, a reflective life, a spiritual life, if you will. And what was interesting, of course, is we're called to the world to make money. And there I am called into the world and all my skills are mathematics and finance and economics and all the rest. So I find myself in a world that is mostly, seems mostly alien to what those, those deeper purposes from early in my life were. And so what happens in life planning is we identify what those uh, uh, most significant callings are. And for some people, they're completely aligned with their work. For me, they weren't. And, um, and then we make sure that that part of a person's life is on fire and is being delivered into the world. And that is one of the great successes of life planning because we, we help clients define what their life of greatest meaning, greatest purpose is, what, how they could live most authentically into the world. And then we show them that we're going we're gonna to use the money skills that we have in the most efficient way to deliver it. So one of the things I always love about your work, Robin, is you talk about uh, efficiencies in, a, in just an incredible, marvelous way. And one of the things that I was struck by early on was all the mathematical and economic efficiencies that we might find 
in the entrepreneurial engagements that we have in the world these days are lacking in the most profound uh, efficiency, which is the connection to a human being. And that's really what life planning does, is it makes sure that that aspect of efficiency is completely on target. Otherwise, the, the frame that I'm sure you're familiar with, the frame is that we've got our, our ladders on the wrong wall. We may have an incredibly crafted rat ladder, but we're going in the wrong direction. So, um, so this, this uh, project of mine is a book of poetry and photography uh, week by week. Uh, and, and ultimately, it's, it's going to be coming out in a daily as well, day by day, living on a pond like Thoreau on Walden's Pond, not far from Walden's Pond uh, in Massachusetts. And it's um, just kind of my experience uh, living in that way. And it's very close to the mindfulness work that I teach as well in the life planning community. So just explain to me, George, this isn't a, a sort of conventional book as such. It's, 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 a, it's a, I suppose it's not an online book either. It's something that you're going to be releasing, um, as you say, week by week into people's inbox and, and, and for free. Is that right? Yes, that's right. That's right. The, um, uh, that's one of the beauties of it is that it's a, it's a digital uh, product. And uh, we may very well do, in fact, I suspect we're likely to do a real book out of this as well, or maybe a variety of books coming out of this. Um, but that's probably a year or two down the line, because I would love to get th this first book is of weekly uh, photographs and, and poetry, a week weekly, and, and they're beautiful. The spreads are just gorgeous. Um, but, uh, but so that would come weekly to a person's inbox with a message often about mindfulness in the poetry, about how to practice, uh, how to live in nature in a way that is, uh, uh, that increases your mindfulness throughout your life. Um, but, uh, so it's a beautiful thing to receive on a weekly basis, but eventually I, I suspect I will also do a, a, a fine book of this as well as some, uh, more inexpensive versions of it. For now, it's free digitally, which mm. is exciting to be able to yeah. give it. Now, you, you've been, um, in, in a sense, ahead of the curve in terms of uh, li living in nature and, and really enjoying the sort of fullness of nature, if you like, and, and also in terms of mindfulness as well, because obviously the the lockdown, the pandemic has 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 made us very conscious of of the the sort of natural world around us, uh, and also mindfulness. I mean, it ha has it's um, exploded in popularity in, in recent years, and it's it's now you know very much recommended not not just by um, uh, sort of. Uh, experts, but but um, but the National Health Service as as well here in the in the UK. Um, so, is there a connection between those two? The sort of nature, the living in nature, and and mindfulness, as far as you're concerned. Well, I think that um, there's a connection that people haven't really fully spoken to, and it's something that is 
was exciting for me when I first realized that the, the connection was so precise. Um, you know, the, uh, again, coming from the evidence-based world that you uh, have embraced uh, so beautifully uh, for us, Robin, yourself, the um, mindfulness, both mindfulness and experiences of being in nature have been described by thousands of um, scientific studies now, the, the great benefits of both of them. What is, what was, I, I mean, and I was dedicated to each of them early on. Uh, and I, I thought of mindfulness as a, as a spiritual life and nature. I just love being out in the weather. I love being in the fields and walking. Uh, you know, I just loved it. And, and so the question was how to live that. It's hard, tough to get paid doing it. <laughs> so, but I, I knew that I had to live more authentically in it. And, and what happened is I, so it, Every day of my life, I walk out to a cabin. We live on a, on a spit of land that goes out into a small lake in Massachusetts. And I, um, the first hours of my day, which are the best hours of my day, I've dedicated to both mindfulness practice, to my artwork, and to nature. And then I come back and I do the wonderful work, which I've grown to really love and enjoy, which is the work of, of, uh, of life planning and, and more engaged in civilization. But in this early exploration, this, this personal exploration of mindfulness and the natural world, at first I thought they were two separate things, but worked nicely like hand in glove, uh, that being more mindful while you're experiencing the, uh, um, the wind or the sun or the rain was, uh, was a wonderful experience. Then I began to realize that when you do mindfulness, the classic mindfulness instruction that we're given these days, and you can read about it all over the place, I've, I've written about it myself, but the, um, the classic instruction is to return to your breath and to feel the breath, not just think about it, but to feel it. And as if you're living in those sensations of the breath, the warmth of the breath, the coolness, the rhythm of the breath, um, the, uh, uh, the size and dimensionality of it. So you're really feeling it. And what I came to realize uh, in really in the last five or 10 years as I was finishing this great 30-year project was that living in the weather, which is living out in nature, was really identical to living in uh, in mindfulness. Because when you live in the weather, what are you doing? You're living in all of your senses. You're highlighting those senses. You're letting your thoughts go. And just being with the visuals, the sounds, the, the feel, again, of the wind or the rain, or the moisture, or the warmth or the coolness on your skin. And I, so I began to realize that, you know, we... and. The book has also become, I mean, in a way, it's an environmental book as well, because if they are the same, and I would argue that they are the same, it's just a, it's just a thin barrier between them, that define a veil between them, mm. then what mindfulness is about is about exploring your ecosystem mm. uh, you know, in nature and having greater respect for it, greater love for it, greater, greater connection for it. In a way, I think that's also what life planning is, that when we're really living our life plan, we, we are, you know, kind of fulfilling our DNA. We're, we're, uh, we're really in alignment with uh, who, who we're meant to be. And that is part of the ecosystem of being a human being living in civilization. So this 
book, uh, George, is it aimed at um, a, a sort of general audience or, or, or are you aiming it at, 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 at financial planners or, or at financial planners' clients? What, what, who, who, who is it for? I, uh, you know, uh, as you know, probably my main audience, the main group that really knows me well are, are in the financial world. And uh, they think of themselves as financial life planners, but obviously many people throughout the financial world, because they know of life planning, uh, know of me and know of my work. So it, it is, um, I think that it will have a resonance, particularly with those who have embraced life planning and embraced their own uh, life plan because it will uh, in a way express what uh, one of the leaders in the in the movement has done focusing on their life plan. So my hope is that it would help to inspire them to work better with themselves, with their own life plans and with all of their clients uh, mm -hmm. to recognize that there's something there's something special inside each of us that is uh, called forth that isn't always addressed. Is unfortunately, it's not addressed in most financial uh, planning or financial advice meetings. So I think there's a special audience there. But that said, I have um, also a, a growing uh, community in the uh, in the mindfulness world. Uh, I uh, am certainly reaching out to the world of poetry and art to galleries and to museums uh, with the work. And to believe it or not, in America, we have the, these uh, associations called pond associations. So wherever there's a pond in America, there's usually an association. And my thought was to reach out to the environmental groups and particularly the pond associations and, and, uh, and share this with them as well. Uh, my hope is that it would touch uh, I mean, it's rare for poetry or for art to touch the general consumer, but certainly my hope is that this work would. Mm. A key part of, of of mindfulness, of course, is 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 listening. I, mean, I don't claim to know anything like as much about about mindfulness as you, but I I, I have started a, a mindfulness practice of of sorts over the last sort of couple of years or so, and and. It, Central to it, as you say, is, is 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 listening to the breath, but 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 just just in a more broad sense, listening, which of course is a very important skill for financial planners to have, and I suppose very important for anyone working on their own life plan, if if you like. So, how how important do you think it is for financial? planners to at least explore mindfulness because you know let's face it it doesn't work for everyone yeah i i uh i think even for those who feel that it doesn't work for them i mean the truth is it doesn't work for me mm. and and by that i mean that there are many times i'll sit down i this morning i i uh i i sat to meditate and i was just filled with thoughts robin and this is after 50 years of doing this several hours a day, filled with thoughts. Um, and uh, But what I've learned is that, and so a lot of people, that, that they'll get filled with thoughts and they'll go, oh, this isn't for me. I can't do it. They'll have several in a row where that will happen. 
because we we live such busy lives and we're so tied to external sources of information and data and all of that and constantly pushing the buttons of our iPhones or whatever we, we read from. And um, so we, we live that busy pace and we don't realize that it takes um, a consistency of effort. Sometimes it can take 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes, even a half an hour to get to really feel like, wow, this really does something. And even for me, after 50 years, I can have occasional meditations, mindfulness meditations, where I feel restless. What I've learned over the years is that if I stick with it and consistently stick with it, actually, I not only break through that restlessness, but I will look back on that a few days later and realized and realized that I've changed, that I've actually gained some skill about in in not succumbing to my neurotic habits and in fact having a greater ability to focus or to be at peace or to come back to the term you started us all with to listening and um and listening is is really the special thing and again most people when you you're, you're taught mindfulness you aren't taught this term but it was when i wrote my book on on mindfulness I called the, it, um, the subtitle was The Art of Inner Listening. And uh, because I realized once again that what we're doing in mindfulness is we're just listening inside ourselves and trying to do that without judgment, without opinion, without putting all of our thoughts and all of our data in there with all of the histories of our life, all of our, the stories of our life, all of our identifications in there. And when we just simply listen, it's, it's again, it's as if we were in nature and we're just listening to the wind. You know, if we listen to the wind and we judge the wind all the time, we can't really experience it. So this listening then becomes something that we can do with our clients, with our families, for, for everything in life. Mm. Well, what I'm curious about, uh, George, and, and, and I, I felt this reading your, your, your book on mindfulness as, as well. You, you just mentioned there that, you know, you spend several hours a day meditating. You know, you, <laughs> you have a prodigious output. You know, you, you um, have, have uh, obviously, uh, 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 in a sense, founded this sort of life planning movement. You've got the kinder. Uh, institute, uh, you, you do your poetry, you do your uh, photography, you do your books. How on earth do you have <laughs> time uh, to um, to meditate for hours a day? And um, what, what, how much benefit do you think you you get from that? I mean, you, you were talking there about a, a greater sense of focus. You, you you, you, what you're saying is that the more you meditate, the more focused you are. Is that is that right? I think so. Uh, and but it's more than that, Robin. And it's a, a really exceptional question, and uh, and one I deserve because <laughs> you know how on earth can you do that? And when it's framed that way, and I, I think there there are several things. I, I don't watch television, and I um, I really and I think that helped tremendously. And I I read. A, a fair amount, but I've limited that reading to particular times, particular, uh, you know, themes that are important to me so that um, so that that reading itself is targeted and focused. So that has given me, I think, a tremendous amount of time. But then 
there are other things that we do in our lives and our businesses. Um, one of the things that is, is fantastic for a business owner, which I know that many of uh, the people who follow your work um, are, and that is that more and more we try to delegate and we try to make efficiencies within our business so that we have the time to think is how we think of it. Or, uh, but it's really the time. The most important thing we can do is not just to think, but to be and to be who uh, we feel that we are uh, meant to be, to be authentic. And so when you're talking about um, the benefits of mindfulness, no question, listening and focus, the word that is, you know, not used very often these days, but that I, I have come to love and, and appreciate mm. is virtue. That I think that the, um, you know, that, that ability to focus you know, one of the things that happens, you know, your kids studying for the A-levels here in America, they, they study for their SATs. And I've got two 17-year-old daughters. And one of the things I've told them to some, a little success, but not, not enormous success, is that their SAT scores will go up dramatically uh, if they do more mindfulness. Hmm. And this, there's actually been a, a study, a couple of studies on that. And the very clear reason is, is that when you're distracted and of course, you know, you're in a, a test exam kind of center in space and you get distracted the way you get distracted all the time. And th what mindfulness does is it allows you to focus. But what what's really happening there, the virtue that's there is not only focus, but patience. Mm -hmm. And there are many virtues that come from mindfulness because all that stress that starts out a mindfulness meditation, you need to be patient with that. And one of the things we learn is to be kind to ourselves with it. We learn to be gracious with it. We learn uh, uh, to be at ease with it. Um, we learn to be courageous with it. And um, uh, so there, uh, there are, are just an enormous amount of, I think, strength. Uh, uh, there's an enormous amount of strengthening of mm -hmm. the virtuous elements that we have naturally inside of us. We have no, no schooling for it. You know, the schooling that we have is reading philosophers or studying religion or literature, or some of the uh, liberal arts. Um, mm -hmm. And now, of course, some of the behavioral science and all of that is beginning to tell us uh, some of those things. But this is direct. It goes right into the experience of living itself inside of ourselves and give us, us a direct experience of uh, a virtue first done toward ourselves and then coming out much more naturally when we're put into stressful situations. We're able to be there in a way that's more engaged, more compassionate, more kind. Tell me finally, how can people read your book? Yes, there's a, we do have a, um, three levels of subscription. Uh, and it's, 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 pardon me for not knowing the pounds for it, but it's five, <laughs> 10 or $20, uh, a, a month, but that, uh, but the, the basic book you'll get for free in your, in your inbox. And all you have to do is go to georgekinder.com and sign up for it. And you'll get it every week. Uh, you'll get the, the weekly edition. You'll also get a version of my reading the poems and you'll get the visuals and right there and have them on your screen, whatever screen you have. Um, the additional elements are quite wonderful. I'm really thrilled with them. Uh, one of my daughters, uh, my daughters were very engaged with the project, which was fun. Uh, one of them 
curated the photography as, as a 17, 16 and 17 year old. Uh, and then I did the final curation. And then another one did a bunch of, of uh, songs or sonic landscapes or soundscapes for nature for each week of the season. And those are additional elements. There's also something I'm greatly looking forward to, which is I will hold court. I will, uh, um, every week I will give a, um, a session uh, and it's in one of the subscriptor, sub- subscribing se- sections there. Uh, I think it's in the, uh, the less expensive one, but where I'll just meet with whoever, whoever signed up comes and, and we hang out together uh, around the ideas in the poetry and the imagery and whatever else comes up, just a, a gathering of people who are interested in the work. And that's about it for this episode. You've been listening to me, Robin Powell, on the Intelligent Advisor podcast, talking to George Kinder about his new online book, Reflections on Spectacle Pond. Thank you to George and also to our sponsor, Regis Media. Regis has a wide range of high-quality, customizable video content for advice firms to use. We also produce unique content to help you build an audience, to engage with clients and prospects, and to grow your business. You can come to our fully equipped studio in Birmingham to record your videos, or we can come to you. We also work with firms outside the UK. To learn more, why not visit our website? You'll find it at regismedia.com. That's regismedia.com. Please do subscribe to Intelligent Advisor if you haven't already. You'll find us on both SoundCloud and iTunes. And finally, if you've enjoyed this episode, please write a review. We'd love to get your feedback. From me, Robin Powell, goodbye. Goodbye.